resort. You are now tuned into Pulse Pounding with Mickey Dillon. This week's guest is an actress, singer, and songwriter who first captured everyone's hearts when she was just nine years old, starring alongside Ben Affleck in Jersey Girl. She's written for artists like her, collaborated with some of music's most respected hitmakers, and today she's here to talk to us about her new single, upcoming EP, what it's like to hear Christina Aguilera growl in real life, and the resurgence of her parents, Benifer. Raquel Castro is here. Hi, I like that intro. (laughs) (laughs) I wrote this this morning because I was like, I don't know what to include. I always have like the easiest time writing interviews and the most difficult time writing intros. But I feel like they're Mm -hmm. important because it's like almost an icebreaker. Yeah, I feel the same way even like writing music, right? Like I love writing music, but now I'm like uploading the music to Spotify and you have to like write a brief description Mm -hmm. to like get on playlists and stuff. And I'm like, (laughs) <laughs> I don't know what to say. Yeah. So I'm speechless. It's easier to write about other people, though, than yourself. Like sometimes I struggle with the description for the episodes of the podcast because the way everyone does it is like third person. So you write about yourself as if you're someone else talking about your own episode. It's very weird, but the weed helps. It's weird to me. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should start that. You yeah. Know, I'm like doing a dry January right now. So I've had no wine. How's that going? Um, but maybe. Oh God. I like, I can't tell you how many times I've had the idea, like in my head, I've just gone through something and I'm like, what I would do for a nice glass of wine on the couch right now, watching Ginny and Georgia. Yeah. Oh my God. All right. Well, you're almost there. The month's almost over. Almost there. Okay. So when I interviewed your brother, shout out to David, he was telling the story about how you and him were kids and you were in a nail salon with your mom when she was approached by an agent about having you guys audition and that's how you got signed. So what do you remember about the audition and that experience? Yeah, I was, I think, four. David, I think, was three. And um, I mean, I don't remember too much specifically, but I I do just, I'm a big, like, home video person. Mm -hmm. So my mom always had the camera on us. And, like, we loved that. So we were always entertaining. So I could only imagine, like, we were just doing our thing that we normally did in the nail salon. Right. (laughs) And um, (laughs) this woman, yeah, came up to my mother and was like, you should put your children in the entertainment industry. And, like, Ironically, my mother always wanted to be an actress. So I'm sure at that time she was like, yes, like, where do I sign up? (laughs) Um, And so she gave us a number to uh, which which ended up being my manager for over uh, 10 years, um, Lori Danzinger in New York City. So Mm -hmm. we went to New York City and I met with Lori and um, she signed me right away and David had to wait. So I heard. Because <laughs> he, he, was, he was younger and a little kookier. Mm-hmm. Um, but once he was four, she signed David as well. And uh, yeah, that's kind of, that's how it all started. And, you know, I remember just going into the city like multiple days a week for auditions. Um, sometimes we would go in together as like brother and sister, which is hilarious. Yeah, that's like, funny. I need, I need to find the footage of those audition rooms <laughs> one day. Um, but yeah, it's been our whole life. We started so young. So it's kind of like the only industry that really feels like home to us. What was your first job? 
first job. Oh my God. I was working at T Carlton Spillon in Long Island. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh wait, wait, I, you, you meant like my first acting job. Yeah, but Sorry. that's fun too. <laughs> I literally fast forwarded. I'm like, Oh, let's talk about like the other side of the industry. For that's a fun too. <laughs> Um, we'll get there. Uh, first acting job was, oh my God, I think it might have been like Robitussin. <laughs> a Robitussin commercial. Yeah. Oh my God. It was like one of like, I don't understand, but all I remember, or no, um, A Little Curious was another one that David and I did together. I don't know if David told you about okay. this, but A Little Curious was, I think, on PBS. Okay. And <laughs> David picked up one of the eggs we were in like this little like farmhouse with a bunch of other kids and they were Mm -hmm. doing like this little excerpt of whatever i don't even know what it was about but david starts throwing the chicken eggs he was like probably like three and a half four years old before he was really (laughs) signed i think my mom just took him with us um so we did like pbs we did um a lot just a lot of different commercials Mm -hmm. uh robitussin is one that definitely sticks out though somewhere around i hope they didn't make you drink it (laughs) Oh no, I was probably going to be such a diva anyway. I've been like, I'm sorry, I don't do that. <laughs> That's nasty. No, we don't like that. <laughs> so were you already singing and finding yourself interested in music as a kid? Or at this point, was it all about acting? It was, it was always everything. Um, I, as far as back as I can remember, I loved musicals when mm-hmm. I was younger. So I loved watching Annie. I loved watching Grease. Those were like my top two. And then like Selena was... Selena's not like a musical, but it was very, it was, you know, right. the whole story is based on Selena's life, which is, you know, music. Yeah. So I always loved singing and dancing and I would always try and do all of the moves that I saw people do on TV. And yeah. if I couldn't do it, I would get really upset. <laughs> um, so it was everything for me. Like I loved just, I just loved entertaining. Right. I just loved expressing myself in that way ever since I can remember. Okay, so your first big moment comes in 2004 when you starred in Jersey Girl alongside of Ben Affleck, Liv Tyler, and George Carlin in his final movie. That is so crazy. I didn't know that. I I watched the movie for the first time. I had never seen it. I, I mean, I knew the premise and I had seen some clips of some of your scenes, specifically um, the musical at the end or the play that you guys do Sweeney Todd yeah Yeah. but I didn't realize that that was his final movie that's like so crazy (laughs) I know rest in peace what a beautiful man yeah such an incredible comedian of course Jennifer Lopez as well so you played Gertie which is Ben Affleck's character's daughter whose mother passes away during childbirth and that leads to a very complicated father-daughter relationship so what do you remember about the audition process for the movie I remember going in, I, I can literally like picture the room in my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, I auditioned for A.V. Kaufman. She was the casting director. And I remember it was actually with one of my best friends. Um, I know her since I'm born and our both of our mothers have been friends before we even existed. Right. Uh, she was there. We auditioned together and it was just like a regular audition for me. You know, you go in, you do what you got to do and then you go out and we left the audition and before we even got home, my manager called us saying that I had a call back. Right. So we were so excited. And at that point, we didn't know Jennifer Lopez was playing the mother. Right. We knew it was like a Miramax film. Kevin Smith was the writer director. Um, so that I went in for the callback and I can't remember. I think it, there were two callbacks and Kevin Smith and the, one of the producers were in the room with me for mm-hmm. the second callback. And I do remember that. 
um, very vaguely, but I'm sure I was just, I was a kid. I wish I could be like when I was nine now right. because without like being jaded and having the anxiety and right. all the other things now, because when I was a kid, I didn't give two shits. I right. was just like unapologetically myself. Um, and then I remember exactly where I was when I booked the movie. I was in, uh, I was at the public library. We had just left. We got into the car right in center reach. Mm-hmm. And my mother got the phone call from my manager that I booked it. And my mom was like screaming and crying. And I was so excited. And it was a, it was a really, really cool process. Yeah. And it's crazy because the entire movie is pretty much surrounded around yours and his character. Like it's the whole movie is about your relationship. So the role yeah. itself was so huge. Yeah. I don't think I knew that. I definitely did not know that. You know, I was just, I was so young. I was a baby and I was just like, this is cool. Yeah, you right. know, like I'm around all of these really cool, beautiful, tall people mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm in a different state and I'm in a hotel and I, you know, and they treated me, they spoiled me. Like they were so good to me. Um, and I had no idea what was about to happen. You know, I didn't realize how big that was at the time. Right. Um, and I think there was also like a lot of like rewriting that was done because Julie had come out right before Jersey Girl. So mm-hmm. Jen and Ben met on the set of Julie. They did that. And then Kevin had the opportunity for Ben to do Jersey Girl. And I think Ben brought Jen in on that as well. Right. And then before Jersey Girl came out, they broke up. Julie didn't do well. So it was kind of like, crazy so i think kevin actually added some scenes with me and like rewrote some things and i think it was always a father-daughter film but there was much more of jennifer and ben right in the first version and then because of everything that happened they didn't want to make it another like jen ben movie right you know they didn't want to obviously you don't want to promote a movie with your ex right awkward or after (laughs) like the controversy that had happened from the previous movie because i remember when that movie came out and it didn't do so well it was like a lot of drama in the media regarding everyone's opinion on the movie so i feel like it would only make sense that they wouldn't want to make it seem like we were going for round two of that Absolutely, absolutely, which I totally understand. And and because of that, you know, they sent me out to do a lot of the press for the film, which was another crazy experience that I don't really think I would have had if if none of those things happened. So, you know, there's there's the bad sides and there's there's the good sides, but um all in all, I mean, it was a crazy crazy experience. Right, which is so insane because as a 9-year-old, you're doing all this press for the movie. And you're not doing it with the rest of the cast. Like I watched the Ryan Seacrest interview, which was hysterical. Mm -hmm. But you're doing this as like a (laughs) nine-year-old little girl by yourself. There's nobody else from the movie there. Do you remember what that felt like? Or were you just not even really thinking about it because you were so young? I think I just, I wasn't thinking about it. It was just so fun to me. Like I remember flying out to California my first time to, to do some of the work. And um, they put me first class. It was the coolest thing. And I just like, everyone was so nice. It was such a pleasant experience. I remember like one, at one point we did like one of the press junkets and I'm like, mom, my cheeks hurt. Cause I was just like <laughs> laughing all day and smiling and, um, and I loved it. So as that's really all I remember is how fun, how much fun I had and how much I, you know, I wish I could go back in time and relive those things. They, they had me do the kids choice awards. I got to like do the orange carpet and, interview people like Jim Carrey and Adam Sandler and yeah. Cameron Diaz, like people that I loved. I would watch all of their movies. Right. Those are, you know, 
so it was, yeah, it was just so, so cool. How do you remember learning all those goddamn lines as such a young kid? Like, what, what was the practice to learn all of the lines? My mother had a really, like, great way of working with me. My mom worked on everything with my brother and I when we were growing right. up on all of our auditions. And if we booked, she was like our acting coach there and she would help work us through all of that. I also think because now, not to get too far off subject, but now as an adult, I just started working with a little girl mm-hmm. and I started developing her. She's an actress. right? And I noticed she's seven years old, which is how old I was when I filmed Jersey Girl. She's like a sponge. <laughs> I give her scripts for auditions and she's like, okay, got it. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. And she does like, I feel like when you're a kid, you're so it's so much easier for things to just stick in your brain. So yeah. that's why we have to like sometimes be careful. But for those in those situations, like it was great. It felt like effortless to me. I feel that way too. I was thinking about that recently because I used to dance when I was a kid and I did all the competitions and all that stuff. And I feel like it was so easy to retain choreography back then. And I was just thinking, I had a conversation with someone about that the other day. And I was like, I don't even know if I could remember shit like that at this point. I can't even remember like what I wanted to have for breakfast when I thought about it yesterday. Like, I don't know if I could Uh remember all the things that were so easy to me when I was a kid. It just came natural. I know. And so it's like you feel I feel myself getting older now. Like I'm at that point and you can agree like. I can't get up without like making noises oh, and, and I'm like my brain and my body, just like the idea of like doing choreography. I mean, I, I was, I, we were brought up as dancers as well, both right. of us, David and I, and like, again, yeah, it's so easy. You get out on stage, you're doing all the faces, mm-hmm. you're like getting low. And like, now I'm like, if I have to go into a dance class, I have major anxiety before I mm-hmm. go in. And then the idea of like my brain connecting with my body at the same time, like yeah. it's just, yeah. It's and very things weird. like things like hurt, and it's not even a joke. And so many people who are older than us will be like, "Oh, you're so young." And yes, I'm not saying that I'm old, but I went out two weeks ago, and when I go out, it's like I don't go out often. I like to stay home and drink my wine. But if I do go out, mm-hmm. I'm out to shake my ass on the dance floor. Like I'm not sitting down at a bar drinking whiskey like an old Irish man. Like I am out to dance <laughs> on a table. So we went out and I was dropping it low all night. And I swear to God, I went to work the next day and like in my thighs, like the upper part of my thighs on the inside, I couldn't even like bend down. I was so sore. And I was like, what is happening to me? I am fucking ancient. (laughs) Like you did like three orange theory classes. And seriously, what it feels like. I felt like I built a roof (laughs) on somebody's house the day before it was fucking crazy. Oh God, I know. It's so wild. Oh God, I needed a yoga class to like prepare my body. (laughs) Like a stretch class. (laughs) just, Just like touch. I just need to touch my toe and I'll feel okay. Yeah. And then I was saying to somebody the other day was like, after that experience, now I understand why people are so addicted to painkillers <laughs> because everything <laughs> <know>. hurts. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's either weed, painkillers or something. We need some sort of news. I can't uh, do this sober. Honestly, we're 10 minutes into this conversation and I've made myself sound like such an alcoholic and a drug addict. And I'm really not. <laughs> alcoholic borderline, maybe. No judge, though. (laughs) So I was cracking up laughing recently when you started posting the stuff about Ben and Jen after they got back together. So how does it feel to be the only child of Benifer? 
I will take that to my grave, baby. You know what? When I first heard that they were getting back together, it it actually felt like a dream. And I'm not even kidding, Michael. Like I I had a weird like vision. I don't know if it was a dream. I don't mm-hmm. know if I was like half sleeping that they were together. I don't uh-huh. know. I don't know if it was like from Jersey Girl, like not long before this news came out. So when it came out, it, it almost felt like deja vu mm-hmm. in a way. I was like, wait, is this real? Is this not real? Like what's going on here? And of course, like people started to reach out to me. I'm like, do you really think that I have Ben and Jen on speed dial? Like, like you're their you representative? Actually- <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, I'm sorry. Hold. I'm just uh, having a really intimate conversation with Jen. Uh, no, you know, I wish I did. But um, it's just funny because people reach out to me. They're like, so like, is this real? And I'm like, well, I sure hope so. Because they're madly in love. Yeah. Like they're meant to be. And. Everyone thought, I remember everyone's like, oh, it's her rebound from A-Rod. And I'm like, oh, no. Like, I don't care. My, I have a very strong intuition. And not that I know Jennifer, but I just, I don't know. The energy that I got when they, when I was younger around them, like, it felt like a fairy tale romance. Yeah. And I always remember looking at that and being like, wow, like, that feels just like what I see in the movies. And there's no way that Jennifer would rebound with somebody like Ben because she loves him too much, you know? And that was my response. Um, I didn't really say much more than that, but I'm very happy to see that. It really, it was the real thing. They're married now. I feel like I'm like reliving my youth again. That's so funny. Did you ever reconnect with either one of them like through the years when you were like more into your adult years? Um, I never... No, so when I did promo, because I obviously, I filmed Jersey Girl when I was seven. So that was like when I was with Jen a lot, you know, she was always, even though we didn't have scenes together, she was always around on set because they were dating. Mm-hmm. So she like sent me like a package of her like JLo kids attire oh and all of those things. And I got her perfume and everything. Um, but after, after Jersey Girl came out, I never saw Jennifer. And then when I did the Kids' Choice Awards <clears throat> in 2004, right after it came out, she was there mm-hmm. and I was behind the scenes hosting I'll never forget this. I was hosting like the behind the scenes where I would interview people when they got off stage or going off to stage and she walks by mm-hmm. and she's waving. There's videos of her, like the camera uh-huh. that I was working with caught her waving and I was trying to like get her attention and like, you know, she was just in and out, like she yeah. was going and I started crying. <laughs> and then I'm like, I'm like, they, you know, like ET didn't hire me back. It was for entertainment tonight. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, even though it was nine, I, I cried. Yeah. I had to like take I had to take a second because I didn't get to see Jennifer. Um, so that was like one of the last times I saw her. And then fast forward to recently, mm-hmm. weird things have been happening. Like I so her vocal coach is this guy, Stevie Mackey. Yeah, yeah. Who I have a lot of mutual friends with. Mm-hmm. And so one day I get invited to like one of his taco Tuesdays. Oh my god, I was just gonna say I watch his taco Tuesdays. Oh my God, they're phenomenal. They are I, phenomenal. I went, my boyfriend and I went and it was so cool. Like Brandy was right in front Ugh, of me. I'm like, God. this is so dope. All of a sudden, I look over, Jennifer's sitting on the couch and I'm like, no. Oh my God. <laughs> like, this is it. Like, you know, but obviously like, I'm also a big overthinker and I don't ever want to like annoy somebody. Please don't tell but, me like, that you didn't say anything. I didn't say anything because there, people were singing so like everything was going on. She was sitting there and like, it, it was almost like a VIP area and I was like right behind it. But then I'm like, oh my God, I got to say something. Everyone gets up. They start clapping for one of the singers. Everyone sits down. She's gone. No. no just, 
Oh my god. So there's been some weird moments. Are like you that out of recently. your mind? Why the fuck wouldn't you have stopped the production to walk over there? And I would have thrown <laughs> I would have thrown like pretzels at her yeah. or something to get her attention if I were you. I know, I know. It's it's like weird because like if you know me in real life, like, you know, like I feel like we're close, like you've seen like a lot, like even just working together mm-hmm. on the short film and like yeah. doing things like that. Like I feel like I can be and just your energy. I feel like I can be my complete self around you. Um but in other areas, I've realized that I've gotten a lot more shot. Mm-hmm. It's weird. You know, like I feel like I sometimes I'm very timid, but then other times I'm like, ah! right, so right. it just, it just depends on the situation. But I just wish I could be like, you know, my normal self in those situations. I think, I don't know. I let my mind get the best of me. And I feel like I've also missed out on a lot of opportunities because of that. So I'm trying to get better. Right. But I keep praying. I'm like, you know what? Like, whether it's me writing a song for her or another film, like I auditioned for uh, what's the movie that she did with Vanessa Hudgens. The recent second one? act. Oh, I don't know. Second. I forget what it's, it might be second act or something like that. I auditioned for it to play her daughter. That was the first time I've ever gotten an audition to like work with Jennifer again. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's a lie. Her other cop show I auditioned for as well. To oh play her yeah. Daughter. yeah. I didn't, I didn't get that one, but for the movie, I got called back for it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is it. Full circle. I'm going to be with Jennifer again. (laughs) And of course, you know, I was just too young. And obviously Vanessa Hudgens, Raquel Castro, you know, like they're going to go with Vanessa Hudgens. But yeah, there's been a lot of moments like that uh, with Jennifer. Not so much with Ben. Like, honestly, I I really like, he doesn't really like, out a lot anyway and like yeah, all and he doesn't things, really so do as many projects as he used to like i feel like what has yeah. he done since batman mm-hmm. i feel like he's more selective yeah he's he's very selective now and i you know rightfully so and 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 her in that way too but i think jennifer is more of like in the limelight mm-hmm. in that way yeah and, you know things like that could happen where she's going to events that I could possibly be at. Okay, so, well, I think it's time. One day. I think it's time for a <laughs> reboot, reunion, and get the family back together for a special. I'm pitching that idea. We need that. I, <laughs> I'm also writing up the adoption papers uh, just in case. You're they too have, old you know, to be adopted. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 28. I'm ready to be adopted oh my here. God. My parents, my real parents will understand. <laughs> Wait, so I was also cracking up that you were in the music video for... Runaway Love by Mary J. Blige and Ludacris because there's so many things that I knew that you did but obviously when I was prepping for the interview just because I know you doesn't mean I'm not going to treat you like I would treat anybody else I'm like deep diving into shit so I saw (laughs) that and I watched the video again and I had like one of those meme memory unlocked moments because that music video at some point would play in like the MTV morning rotation back when MTV played music before I would go to school and I was obsessed with music and TRL and that whole shit. So that's what I would be watching in the morning while I would get ready. So I heard the song and I like immediately remembered the words and I'm watching the scenes and then I saw you and I'm like, this is so weird. There's so many projects that you've been in, including Empire, and we'll talk about that later, that I've watched you on before I knew you and had no idea. So what do you remember about working on that video? That was so cool. That was, it was a weird time in my career because it was a few years after Jersey Girl. And like a few years after Jersey Girl, a lot of things like died out for me. Like Mm -hmm. it was really hard. I was going through puberty and like I wasn't like the cute little girl, but I also wasn't in my teen years. Like, so it was a weird time. 
But I remember um, booking that with, uh, I think one of the directors is Ulysses. Um, they're like the brothers, the Torero. I think that's how you say their last names. Uh, I don't know if it was through my manager that we booked that I forget, but I was, I remember being on the set very clearly. Kiki Palmer was also in the video. Yes. Which super cool. Mm-hmm. I got to meet her and her mother. They were so sweet. Um, and weird, I- ironic story. The guy who played my dad in the video was Chris in Selena, who played Jennifer Lopez's oh husband. See, there's like this six degrees of separation with the two of you. Like it's it, only it's one degree. It's not even six. It's like one degree. <laughs> You're literally essentially Jennifer Lopez offspring. <laughs> I swear to, I'm just waiting for them to do like a biopic on Jennifer's life. Like that has to be mine. It has to be. <laughs> That's so crazy. Yeah. And the funniest scene in that music video is actually with Kiki Palmer where, so essentially if anybody hasn't seen the music video, look it up. It's a great song. Um, They're like showing different scenes of different young girls in compromising situations with their home life or whatever's going on. It's like a com- the whole song's like a commentary on that. And when it gets to like her part, she finds out she's pregnant, a teen pregnancy, and the boyfriend kind of like says, No thanks, see you later. And she is in hysterics on the park bench crying, doing her best job of acting as if she's in hysterics. And next to her, is Mary J. Blige in her big fat sunglasses passionately lip syncing her ad libs into the camera as if she's not there. And I'm telling you, I don't know when the last time you saw it was, but watch it again. Because I have to rewatch it with that. Oh my God, it is fucking comedy. This girl is hysterically crying like her mother just died in front of her. And Mary J's got like the hand up doing her ad libs into the camera. And she's in hysterics, like right in her face, and she's paying her no mind. She's like, whatever, bitch, I got a verse to sing. It was the funniest <laughs> shit. And again, I was stoned on the couch last night watching this in hysterics, so like funny. doubled over laughing. So hysterical. So rewatch it with that in mind. With like watching it from that perspective. <laughs> oh my God. I can't even, especially high watching that. Yeah. Like that's probably. <laughs> and what was that? Like 2006, 2007, like that shit. I love it to death. I live and die for that time period, but shit was corny back then. Like when you watch it now, you're like, this is corny. <laughs> God, I mean, it's like weird. Cause like music was so, you got away with so much in music, mm-hmm. but, and, and like, when you sing it back now, I'm like, dang, if I wrote that now, people would be like, hmm. Oh, yes, no. so many things. But then, oh my God, like, but like, it's just like some of like the, not, I won't, I won't call it classic. Like for me, classic is like Frank Sinatra. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, that's like our youth oh, of like our sure. generation. Modern just, classics. Like, you know, mm, so good. Yeah. So funny how much things have changed. I blame social media, but that's a story for another time. Um, yeah, we'll talk about that. <laughs> so in 2011, you auditioned for the for the voice, but this was the voice season one. So nobody really knew what this was until your season aired. So before you auditioned for that show, what did you know about it? I didn't know anything. I didn't even know it existed until one of a, a one of our friends, um, Lucas Prada, who is also like a Long Island. Mm-hmm. I think I, he's Long Island I know native of Jersey. Yeah. Um, he was the whole reason why we found out about that show because I think he knew one of the executive producers on it. Um, and at that point, I was working with um, a music producer. And he was in LA, but he was kind of doing the whole bi-coastal thing with us. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was in the studio. I was like working on like a little mini project. Mm-hmm. 
And then um, I found out about The Voice mm-hmm. and I found out Christina Aguilera was a judge on it. And that was it for me. All I was right. just like, okay, where do I sign up? And there was like things with like the production duo, like the, the company that I was working with just wasn't going really anywhere for like two and a half years. So at that point we were like, all right, well, we need another opportunity here. Like we need to, you know, keep going forward with the music thing. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I auditioned, I had like YouTube stuff out, like of right. me singing. So we did like little music videos on YouTube and that was sent over to The Voice. And that's how I got the first interview. We did a Skype interview. Mm-hmm. And then I always say it was like, boom, boom, boom. Like Monday, I, I did a Skype interview. And then Wednesday, I was getting contracts sent to me. And Friday, I was flying out to LA. Mm-hmm. So it happened very, very fast. Okay, so you ended up on Christina's team, which seems like it was what you wanted from the jump. What was... Mm-hmm working with her like what was your first interaction like did you sit in a room and listen to her sing without a microphone literally one of my life streams is just to have her sit across the room from me and sing the fucking alphabet for all i care (laughs) (laughs) like just just say my name yeah say my name in the the key of c yeah do the Um, growl oh god yeah like she it's so crazy i have i just feel like i've been so lucky because jennifer lopez was a huge huge inspiration Mm -hmm. for me still is to this day growing up but so is christina aguilera like i was i was a christina fan like if it was britney or christina i was very very much a christina aguilera fan yeah i was opposite um, but we'll fight about that later (laughs) we'll fight about it i mean i love britney i do but i just i don't know there was something about the soul that christina had growing up that i was just so intrigued by so yeah, when I got on her, I mean, I was nervous as shit. I'll mm-hmm. start there. Like with the voice, I never sang in front of like a crowd like that before. Only like my family and my close friends. Right. So I went from that to like getting on a stage with like all of these celebrities backs towards you. And one of them is like you, one of your heroes. Right, right. So when she turned around, I was just like, oh my God, it's I, over. I can't listen back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm like, every, nothing else matters. Um, but I, I can't listen back to any of the takes from that because I just, my voice was shaking. I will literally like critique myself until yeah, I'm yeah. white in the face. But it was just such a cool experience for me because it was my first time really doing something serious in music. And it was also like, you know, a transition from like child actress, little Jersey girl to, oh, she sings. She's in the music industry. Right. Cool. Um, so it was a really huge turning point for me. And I got to be in the room with Christina Aguilera many times. And um, the one thing that I will never forget was when we did Lady Marmalade. Mm-hmm. I was in the top four on Christina Aguilera's team. We got to sing Lady Marmalade together with Christina. And she did that first mm-hmm. run during rehearsals. And I was there. I'm not even... I think I had gum in my mouth for whatever reason. And it like fell out of my <laughs> mouth. Like I literally was just like what is this this is crazy um that by like that is definitely like top five moment yeah ever i literally have always loved her i loved the first album i loved like the pop shit but when stripped came out that was like that's her album for me like if i think of christina aguilera i think of stripped it's actually had a resurgence in my life recently because i got wine drunk one night and was listening to it and got emotional and then just like Amazon ordered the CD like why do I need that but I got it anyway and put it in my car um so I've been listening to that nonstop. and the first time I saw her live was on the strip tour with Justin Timberlake when they did that like dual tour and I just remember mm-hmm. like 
looking up and watching her sing all of those incredible songs. Um, Walk Away is my favorite from that album. Such an incredible song. And just watching her like in her prime belt out those notes. I was just in such awe. I still watch videos of it actually quite often. She was actually my first concert too. Um, Or I don't know if she was your first concert, but the first time you ever lied. Britney was was my first. Mm, of course she was. <laughs> 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 because Dina was a mine. Pussy, I remember Pussycat Dolls opened up for them. Yep, I saw that one too. That back was, like, to Basics. That whole era. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Back to Basics. Yes. that I remember doing that. It was my first real concert ever. And it was just, yeah. So I've, I've been very, very lucky. Like, And Christina was a sweetheart to me. She treated us so nice. And uh, again, I don't really have much contact with her after that. You know, I think she supported the song that I released a long time ago. She like retweeted it on oh, that's cool. Twitter. Yeah. Which was really cool, you know, little things like that mm-hmm. like mean so much. Um, but I've been very lucky. I really was like such a lucky kid growing up. I was watching when you guys, there's like this video out there of you guys rehearsing when you sang Blow by Kesha. And it was so funny because she was like kind of shading Kesha in the clip because she kept repeating, this is the singer's way of doing it. And she was like, oh, I love what you did with that arrangement because you're a singer. And I was like, this fucking bitch, this is why we love her, though. Like, that is what people love about her because she knows what she can do and what other people can't. And I love that. I think it's great. Self-awareness. She's confident. Yeah, super Mm -hmm. self-aware, super confident. And like, you know, she's probably gone through so much shit in the industry. So she's just like, I don't owe anybody anything. I'm just going to speak my truth. And like, if you like it, great. You know, and yeah, I love that. Like, I, that's one of the reasons why I love her. It's part of the persona too. And when you open your mouth and that fucking comes out, like, I don't care what you have to say. It's, it's justified. Yeah. <laughs> the sky is whatever color you want it to be at that point. Like, <laughs> I also feel like the magic of those singing shows has kind of been lost as years have gone on. So obviously the voice is huge. It's still on. American Idol's back, all that shit. But I feel like there was such an authenticity to those shows back then that they don't have anymore because of social media. So every time I watch one of those shows, which is not often, I see people that I recognize from singing on the internet with hundreds of thousands of followers that instead of really auditioning, they're picking them out to come and audition. And I just feel like they've lost the magic of it. And because of that, it doesn't really produce stars anymore. I don't really think that that's what they're looking for anymore. It's more of like ratings and to bump somebody up. Whereas it used to be the Kelly Clarksons and the Carrie Underwoods of these shows would go on to really have careers. Now I feel like these people get a social media bump and even the ones who win, we don't really hear from them anymore. It's strange. Yeah, I agree 100%. And that spills in, into that spills over into all of the industries and entertainment at this point. You know, social media has taken over mm-hmm. and um it is. It's like, you know, you want to you want to see the people that came from nothing and nowhere, you know, like live out their dream on right. this platform. Like that's like you said, like Carrie Underwood, uh Jennifer Hudson, yes. like mm-hmm. all of these people that had all these great opportunities that were so talented. And and that does lack in today's like just industry completely. You know, mm-hmm. like a lot of people, especially with these reality shows, I've had friends reach out to me that were on later seasons of of The Voice and other you know shows, and I and my advice to them is like, don't go on it to win it. Like, right. you have to have the mentality to just go on it because it's such a huge platform that you're given for for nothing. Right, and um, you're getting yourself out there. You're getting your voice out there. 
And you can take that when you leave. But really, unfortunately, it's more about the, the coaches, really. Mm-hmm. It's more about like who said the cool thing or who's wearing what outfit. And, you know, it's helped revive some people's careers. You know, like there's, it's more about that, you know, than the longevity of the artist that's going to be on that yeah. show. Because I haven't, you know, unfortunately, I haven't really seen many people other than American Idol and um, America's Got Talent. Right. Those are the two shows that I've seen that have had people really like come out of it and, and X Factor. Do it. But like the British. X oh no, Factor. X Factor. Yeah. That's the one. That's the one. Not America's Got Talent. But they always they always get the groups. They've always got the groups coming out of them. Fifth Harmony, mm-hmm. One Direction. Oh, uh, Fifth Harmony. Who else was on? There? I saw them live once. Oh. They were a fucking mess. The whole their whole, oh, no. I'm sorry. Their whole career, they were a mess. <laughs> they looked like five girls wandered in from different dance rehearsals and tried to put themselves together. Every time I saw anything from them, it was no good. Yeah. And you can tell, like, I think also on their solo, because all of them are doing different things on their solo careers. Mm-hmm. You know, they're very, very different. Different um, artists. You know, yeah. I love Camila Cabello. I think Camila is like so talented and I, you know, I see why she is where she is now. She's um, cute. I think she's annoying. But, I think actually Lauren Haregi ended up being the standout. Her music, I don't know if you've heard mm, her solo stuff. It's very soulful and very R&B. She turned out to mm. actually be the vocalist of the group and she's phenomenal. I'd actually like to see her live as well. And Normani's great, of course, but I don't know what her label is doing with her. They need to figure that out. Yeah. Even on our side as songwriters, I get briefs all the time. And like a lot of people are just struggling to see like where she's going to go, like what path she's going to take. I do think she's very talented. She's a crazy dancer too. I, oh and God, I really yeah. love like the full package performer. You she, know, like she uh, opened for Ariana Grande on her last tour and I saw it and I was with a friend of mine and we were watching her and that was before Normani had like a single out or anything. They were just kind of like figuring out what to do with her. And the show as an opener that she put on, we literally like were jaws to the floor. I was screaming out loud, completely sober. I was like losing my mind. What that girl does on a stage is unbelievable. It's that stage presence and that like star power that you either have it or you don't. You can't teach it. And she has it. Mm -hmm. So they need to figure out what the fuck they're doing with her. Because it makes me angry. I agree. I agree. Like And like a lot, like some stuff she's released that's like more like, chill R&B and then they're trying to do like the dance stuff because obviously she's a dancer. You want to have her in those positions. But I just think there's something so like I, there's something about like people that are artists that try to dance that Mm -hmm. aren't dancers that makes me cringe. I don't know why, but I just see that. And I'm just like, (laughs) no, you have a great voice. Just stand there and sing. Right. Do do that. Don't do more than you need to do because then it takes away from what you're really good at. Right. But like somebody like Normani, like she has a voice, but she can freaking move, man. Yeah, so it's I, crazy. I agree. I hope I hope she can, you know, I hope they figure it out and she could really like see more success me on too. her own. Yeah, me too. And I like the music she put out. They just need to like pick a lane. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. let's talk about Empire, please, because Empire was one of my favorite shows when it was on. So you guest starred on six episodes of the second season playing Marisol, one third of the show's featured girl group. How did you land this role? So I originally auditioned for a different uh, role in the girl group. Okay. Um, 
I did not land that obviously. I, I don't speak fluent Spanish, and that's been like something that's really I think held me back a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did re-audition me for the other role for Marisol, and it was great. I remember going into the city. This was when we were still like auditioning in person, which I really genuinely yeah. miss with all of my heart. Um, and you know, there's something I always get excited when it, it, it involves music because if I could, if I could literally do acting, singing and dancing under one roof, like that is my dream. Right. So I was really excited and my mom loved the show. I actually didn't watch it when I first got, mm-hmm. you know, the show, I went back and like did my homework. Um, but it was so cool. And I have to say, working with Taraji P. Henson was such a great experience. Yeah, she is just, she is just like so real. Like she's a sweetheart. She still follows me on Instagram, which mm-hmm. is so cool. I'm mm-hmm. like, you don't have to follow me. <laughs> yeah. You could have unfollowed me. Like, you know, you're freaking winning awards and doing all these things. And she's, I just love what she stands for. I watch a lot of her interviews. I love, she's so well-spoken. I love her story on, you know, how she got to where she is today. Yeah. And it's very inspiring. Um, so I had a great time. I got to work with Becky G. She was on the first mm-hmm. two episodes with us. And then, um, yeah, then we did the, I think it was menage a trois. Yep. Uh, so it was, a it was a really cool experience. I loved it. And you know what, if I'm being completely honest, it came, my mom always says, God doesn't let you fall. And I have to say like situations like when the empire came, it came at a time when I was financially like I had, I think I had like a hundred dollars up to my name mm-hmm. and like, I didn't know what I was working at a hair salon, sweeping floors mm-hmm. with my sister. She got me a job at this salon that she worked at. And, uh, yeah, it happened. And financially, thank God, like it, it really saved me. So at any time I've been that low, it's so crazy how like things just happen right. and work. So for that, I'm grateful. And, it was just great to be such, you know, a part of such a really cool show. So what's like a day in production on a show like that? Because you're doing so many things when you're playing a role like that, where you're learning choreography, you're recording and performing the songs, and then you're actually filming the scenes with all of that incorporated. So how does that work? Yeah, I think so. An episode typically would take around like a week to shoot. And so like our week would most likely for something like empire, we had lots of dance rehearsals. Mm -hmm. So we were in the studio, like working with our choreographer and um, that took up a lot of our time because a lot of the things we were doing were like, like little mini showcases for the girl group. Um, So I I felt like it was more of that than like dialogue for me. And as an actress, I'm just like, I need like backstory, you right, know, like I right. need to know like, why is she here? Right. And, and you know, what did she eat for breakfast? And like, you know, why <laughs> does she feel this way? But I didn't, I didn't really feel like I got it in that role, but I kind of accepted it for what it was. and was just like, let me just do it, you yeah. know? So it was mainly dancing. And then they flew us to LA to work with the music producer and like record vocals for all of the songs and stuff. So that was really cool. And then we filmed it in Chicago. So they like, you know, it was it was kind of split up between all of that. There was right. a lot of traveling during that time of my life. Um, so yeah, our, our week would typically typically start with like dance rehearsals, getting all that in, then wardrobe fitting. So we have to do all of our like costumes and everything. And then um, you know midweek we would probably just get on set and start shooting like select scenes. We would always shoot out of order and things like right. that. Um, so yeah, it, the schedule varies. Honestly, it's very like hurry up but you're going to wait for a long time. Right. <laughs> um, but 
but it was a lot of fun. I love like I loved being in Chicago. I got to experience some things on Chicago on my off days and had oh, friends cool. visit me. Yeah, it was a really it was really really cool. But yeah, lots of rehearsals, lots of you know recording studio stuff, and then just being on set and going in it. We didn't really have much rehearsal for like the acting stuff. Like usually when you're you know like say you're a guest star or recurring guest star or something like you would go in and you you'll be on set and right before your scene you'll do like a blocking of what's going to happen in the scene mm-hmm. so you kind of just like everyone has the scripts in their hands they're half in makeup and half not in makeup mm-hmm. and like whatever have robes and slippers on and everyone's just reading the lines out just to kind of get the pace right. get your blocking of where you're going to be standing um, and then you can go back to your trailer. They kind of set the lighting and then you go back and you film it. Right. And you do it multiple, multiple times. Everyone gets different angles. You have to do your lines for your close-ups, but also your lines for other people's close-ups and vice versa. So there's a lot that goes into it. Well, I also think it was really interesting for a role like that too, because you're rehearsing specifically for the dancing. You're rehearsing the choreography to then film the choreography as if you're rehearsing it and don't really know it that well. So that was an interesting yeah. part that I thought about when I rewatched it. Yeah. Like there, there's a scene where Cookie has her like, like cane and mm-hmm. she's like, let's go lady. And you're supposed to look um, like you don't really know what you're doing, but you already learned it. But now you're pretending like you don't know it. It's really interesting from yeah. like an acting I standpoint. I had to kind of be part method. Really, yeah. I might have not known what I was doing. <laughs> uh, no, no. But on that scene, I'll never forget. We, because she had us doing push-ups. We were in like boot yeah, camp I saw with her. In heels. Yeah. What a workout I got mm-hmm. that day. I don't know. If, I don't know if 28-year-old me would be able to <laughs> put myself through that. I'm not going to lie. Um, quick little pop in for your career. How did you end up doing the theme song for the Netflix version of Carmen Sandiego with like a strange add in when I was reading about what you've done recently. That was what, like four years ago. Yeah. The thing was like 2017. Yeah. So another situation, you know how I said empire came at a time when I literally financially was like at my worst. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget. I was in my basement at my house doing a self tape audition with my mother crying because I was just I was depressed and I was lost and I felt like I'm working towards nothing and nobody cares, like all of these things. And, you know, it was just a a conversation that we were having. Right. And my mom gets a phone call in between takes of my self tape. And it's our good friend, Ray De La Garza, who I had met years, probably like maybe five to six years previously. And we always kept in touch. He was a sweetheart. He helped a lot with like music things. So he reaches out to my mom just, Hey, I have this opportunity for Raquel. And, um, I didn't write the theme song, but they had writers that did it and they needed a vocalist, Mm -hmm. but it was a buyout. Like they, you know, they couldn't use like someone like Selena Gomez because they would have to have her, you know, attached to the whole thing. Um, so he brought that opportunity to us and I was like, sign me up. I'm broke. (laughs) Um, they flew me out to LA like the next week and I went and I recorded it. It was so cool. And because I've never done an animation before. Yeah. And not that I was like a character, but just to see like my voice behind like yeah. cartoon superheroes. Right. Yeah. It was the coolest thing. And I love Gina Rodriguez. I think she's so great. She played Carmen San Diego's mm-hmm. voice. And then what's his name? Finn from uh Stranger Things mm-hmm. was one of the uh male leads in there. So there were so many cool people attached to it. And uh that's pretty much how I came. It's 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 a lot of this industry is like timing. Right. And just relationships. Yeah, who like, you know. It's like, mm-hmm. 
it's who you know and it's like also like the good people in your life that bring your name up in situations right. like that goes such a long way you know it's like it's it's just so appreciated because people don't have to do that right. you know but like that's why just building really strong genuine like good relationships with people mm-hmm. for the with the right intentions like I, I always say that but i'm like don't do it like to like get things but like you never know what could come from that right and building those relationships is important and finding the balance between like not using people for what they can get you but keeping those relationships open so it's yeah. mutually mutually beneficial yeah yeah you never know when you're going to be in a place to help that person out right you know? exactly it, it goes it goes both ways. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much where I was and how I found out that I was doing that. Okay. So you had always put out music and covers and stuff mostly on YouTube, but over the last like four or five years, you've released a ton of original songs. What made you decide that you wanted to kind of pivot more towards making music rather than pursuing acting? Or did you not really make that decision? Did it just kind of happen? Um, I think that after, after Jersey girl, and when I started hitting puberty, things slowed down on the acting things on on the acting opportunities quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And that took a huge toll on my confidence, on my mental health, like on how I looked at the industry. Cause, and I think I, I started thinking recently, I'm like, not that I blame the industry, but I think the industry has a lot to do with some of my abandonment issues that I struggle with. Okay. Because, you know, you're in a you're in a industry where when you're up, everyone loves you. Everyone wants you. You matter. And you know, you feel that and it's like heightened. And mm-hmm. especially going through that as a kid, you you're like, oh, this is amazing. I have so many friends and people love me and they care. And then when you go down, you don't hear from Right. Like nobody cares. And you question like if people hate you mm-hmm. to that, to, you know, to points like that. And like, I definitely went through that a lot growing up in those, in, in that time frame of like 13 to still, honestly, right. I still deal with that. Um, so I think for that reason, um, I decided to like detach from acting what I didn't do was I didn't physically detach from acting because I was still auditioning, but I was auditioning and I felt like I was a zombie. I feel, I feel like I don't even remember certain parts of my, my teenage years because I was so dissociated within myself and like with the industry that I just didn't care. I just was like, I, I don't even want to do this because I'm not going to get it. So why am I wasting my time? You know, like they don't care. And it was so toxic. So that is why I stopped like really, really like strongly pursuing acting. And music for me was a really good outlet during that time because Mm -hmm. I was songwriting and I was able to like express my emotions and get things out that way. And that was new for me. And I was like, it's something new. It's something fresh. I feel really good about this. And I want to say like when I was like maybe like 19 to like 23 or 24, I started writing like dance music because I didn't have any producers to work with. No one's going to work with an unsigned artist unless you can pay them 10 grand to track. And I, you know, didn't come from money like that. So that just was not my reality. So I started uh, collaborating with DJs and releasing music that way. Cause I'm like, okay, I can help them and they can help me. Right. So we, we did it that way. So you'll see on my Spotify page, there's like a ton of like me 
doing dance music and features yep. and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff, which was great. It was cool. Um, and then I stopped for a bit and I lost again. It's like, you try, you try, nobody cares, nobody cares, nobody cares. So then you, you literally self-sabotage yourself and you stop, mm -hmm. you know, doing that, you yeah. know, sometimes that happens and that's what happened to me. So I stopped and I kind of just got lost in like bad relationships, like just being lost in my life. Um, and then fast forward to like more recently in 2020, I did uh, Songland on NBC, mm -hmm. which was almost like the sister show to The Voice, but for songwriters. Right. Uh, and that was so cool. That opened up a whole new world for me. It helped get, it helped me feel confident in what I was doing in music. And it also felt like it, I gained a lot of respect for that right. because, you know, you can say you're a songwriter, but so many people are trying to do this and it's really hard to get your foot in certain doors. So when I did the voice, I mean, when I did Songland, huh, hmm. I uh, landed my first placement with my favorite R&B artist, her, and that changed a lot for me. So there's so many like sections of my life that helped me get to where I am today. Right. And where I am today is that I'm songwriting for myself. I'm also songwriting for other people, other um, companies, whether it's for sync or whatever it is. And I finally decided that I want to do the artist thing again, but I want to do it my way and I want to do it on my own time. And I also am doing it with not much expectation from it. And the reason why I say that is because it takes a lot to like make it as an artist independently. I don't have a team. I don't have a manager. I don't have a label. I don't have a publisher. I don't have anything. Right. So I'm just doing this with these two female producers that I absolutely adore. They go by the wild cards. And I met them in 2020 on Zoom. And then I ran into them in LA when I had moved here in 2021. And we just hit it off. They played me stuff that I've never heard before, like, but that I've always wanted. I always right. picked up. And after that, it was just effortless. We were like, yeah. they would send me things I would write or I would send them things that I had written and they'd produce it. And it just, it happened so easily. And that's kind of why I'm finally like in a position where I'm just, I'm releasing it for fun. Right. And I hope Whatever people like it. Whatever happens, happens. Yeah. Exactly. But I feel like when you find, I mean, it's especially in music, most people need somebody in some sense to help them produce something. So if you're a singer and a songwriter, but you don't do production, you need somebody to do the production. If you are a producer and you're not a singer, you know what I'm saying? Like everybody needs yeah. someone for something. It's very rare that someone makes a song from start to finish by themselves. So I feel yeah. like when you meet people, which is difficult, that you kind of really connect with, musically and what you're creating it can be reinvigorating like if you feel like you're in a spot where you're almost uninspired meeting someone else who matches up with you in that sense can kind of like put that spark back in you and it seems like that's what's happening absolutely like i don't i'm i'm one firm believer that i don't like to force things in any aspect mm -hmm. of my life like in any area I like when things happen organically and but my friends will make fun of me because I say that word so much, but I really believe in that. And that's how this happened. And that's how I know it's right. Like I'm not stressed out about it. I'm not clinging on to like what's going to happen. Right. It just feels so good. Like the, the title of the EP is going to be called feelings. And it's because it's a bunch of different feelings. Like, cause I wrote a lot of the music at different points of my life mm -hmm. and without like really sitting and obsessing over what I wanted to do. So this, EP, it's my first project ever, and it's very just 
freeing. Mm -hmm. Like that's what this is. And I already have ideas of where I want to go next and like what I could have done better. Right. That's the other thing. But you cling on to that. You're never going to do anything. Right. You just got to, you just got to take that step forward to like, just start it. You got to start. Cause if I'm sitting here waiting for things to be perfect, I'm going to be waiting forever. I feel like that is the hell of a creative person though. When you're like curating and, creating your own projects and you're so involved in it like that like you just sit there and pick it apart the same way people pick themselves apart and what and anything that you do in life you know but i feel like when you're a creative person and you're putting out a project whatever it is for people to consume and enjoy you're so hard on it that you can almost mm-hmm. continue to drive yourself crazy until it's never finished so at some point you have to just let it go yeah, I didn't want to suck the life life out of something. I really just wanted to enjoy this. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I'm doing. So, <laughs> um, I want to talk a little more about Songland because I don't understand why that show didn't continue. I think it's like one of the most cool and unique concepts when it comes to like these music competition shows. So basically, every week they had four contestants who were songwriters, and you would audition your original song for. Ryan Tedder was on it, correct? And Esther mm-hmm. Dean, who have written yes. some of the most incredible hits of the past 15 years for every yeah. major artist, which is incredible in itself. And then they kind of like take the song and you guys collaboratively like pick it apart and rework it and move some things around. And each week there's a guest artist who ends up recording the winner's song and releasing it. Incredible concept. So interesting. I don't know how that didn't make it further than its two seasons. But for your episode, you had her, you were saying, which is an artist that you obviously love. What was the process like that we didn't see? Like, do you see the whole process from start to finish on the show? Or was there more of making that song and putting that stuff together off camera? Uh, So I think it varies her episode, her song, like for my specific song, mm-hmm. Wrong Places, I wrote that in my bedroom in 2019 uh, when I was living in LA by myself. Mm-hmm. And I was ironically listening to her a lot during that time. But I, And I didn't write it for anyone specifically, not even myself. It was just one of those like things that I needed to get out. Right. And uh, fast forward to 2020, when my mother actually pitched me for Songland, I didn't want to do Songland because I was scared. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't want to have another experience where I'm like put out there and I don't feel like the best right. version of myself. So, but she did it anyway, because you know my mother. <laughs> um, and uh, I didn't even th- like, we put wrong places in there and I had no idea who we were pitching to. Right. So we had like, they were just like, send us your favorite songs that you've written. So, I sent them that and then after the holidays right in the beginning of 2020 I found out that they were going to you know bring me on one of the episodes mm-hmm. so they flew me out there still had no idea that it was going to be her and uh, we got there and then I remember when they told us like we were paired with Martina McBride's episode and I was like they better not put me on Martina McBride's episode <laughs> because I listen I love country music yeah, but I don't have the songs no, for that I won't win that <laughs> and then they were like Gabby aka her so I felt like what you saw in the episode was was everything that I did besides like I got to go to Ryan Tedder's house right. which was really freaking cool and he was unfortunately not 
in the session with me because he was also working on like two or three other episodes where he had to be like way more hands-on like for my song which is very flattering we didn't do much. much yeah yeah we just like ryan you know and his team of producers just produced the song out and we changed like maybe three or four words and for a songwriter that's like whoa such a compliment a lot of songs get like ripped apart and that's it doesn't mean anything it's just for that situation that's what they needed to do but luckily for me they didn't need to do too much um yeah so the rehearsal that i had with ryan on camera was my rehearsal with ryan and uh, you know everything else was pretty much like what you saw on camera, mm-hmm. and besides like mic checks and things like that, and, like right. band rehearsals. But um, it was such a cool process, and I think I agree. I'm like the, the concept is so nice because not many people know about songwriters. Like they think the artists are the songwriters, and right. I get that. But like there's a army of songwriters behind and producers that are so talented behind these songs that are hit songs that nobody even knows about. Right. Which is super cool too. I think that was like very enticing for me to be like, oh, maybe I could be a songwriter full time because I like the idea of like being really financially stable. Yeah, right. When you get to sometimes that point. they make more money. Yeah, I mean, a lot of when you're when you make it, songwriters make great yeah, money. Producers money. make great money, mm-hmm. but but the struggle to get there sucks. Right, like, you don't get paid, and even when you do get paid, you have to wait to get paid right so it's like it's a whole thing um sorry i kind of i'm I'm very very good at like trailing off but uh i got to yeah what you saw was pretty much what you got on on songland uh meeting her again was very incredible for me yeah and when i heard her version of it for the first time like instant tears i I was just like that was my first time really hearing someone ever sing a song that i wrote yeah and someone so huge and so huge at the moment like now is crazy yeah yeah do you have a favorite songwriter huh ali tamposi is one of the she writes a lot of like stuff for dua lipa halsey Mm -hmm. we have the same birthday she's november 17th we're scorpios and i just everything she's a part of i really really love um and then julia michaels i love mine's justin Um, tranter oh yeah yeah that's how you say it yeah, Justin Tranter. Yeah. They work together a lot. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, he's a legend. There's so many. There's yeah. There's just so many. You know, like I honestly not to bring up like because I think Julia Michaels and her boyfriend JP Sachs split, mm-hmm. but I got to see JP Sachs at this place hotel cafe out here in LA a few weeks ago. He is an incredible songwriter. Like very, very, very good. He's just he's a very emotional person, and I just like when people can like take real yeah. raw emotions and just. Turn and it just into be words. so yeah yeah like just honest about yeah. it and it's like oh my god like that's something you would say in a conversation but you just made it sound so poetic mm-hmm. and i'm like that is that that's the type of songwriting i like i always feel that way too whenever i hear something that just like i like a lot of different music for a lot of reasons right like i love pop mm-hmm. music i love the dua lipa stuff for fun like i want to go out i want to dance there's not really much lyrical substance to it in the sense of you're not really telling me anything meaningful. We're going to stand on a table and shake our ass. And I love that. But yeah. I always appreciate when I hear a song that's so well written that it like makes me kind of stop and connect to it and makes me feel like, wow, I feel that exact same way or I have felt that exact same way. That to me is like the most powerful way to write a song and when you find an artist who's also the singer that's writing that music 
I feel like I just get so obsessed with people like that. And I fall into those albums. I'm such an album person. I can't stand like the fast paced single thing. And I think we're working our way back towards cohesive projects becoming the thing to do again. And I'm so happy about that. But when you find like a really incredible vocalist who's also the songwriter and they put this like whole project together, there's nothing like it. Like there's no other feeling in the world than connecting to that. And I can't imagine from the songwriter's perspective to watch people feel that way about the words that you've put together. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. Like Adele is, is another one that's like an artist that writes her stuff and Mm -hmm. you feel that. I have to backtrack because I can't believe I didn't say this as my first answer when you asked me who my favorite songwriter is. Do you know John Bellion? Yeah. uh-huh. So he's a Long Island legend yeah. in being that we're both in Long Island. Mm-hmm. Um, he is incredible. I don't know. Like he's done a lot of like Bieber stuff recently, mm-hmm. but he is one of, I can, I can spot a John Bellion melody from miles yeah. away. Like, both like for other people, just everything about John Bellion, I am obsessed with because he's also a producer. He's a genius producer, but he's, a, he's an incredible songwriter. Um, he wrote Ghost for Justin Bieber. Mm-hmm. And that like modern day songs that I love that. I don't know why that song connects with me so much. I think it, it was also because one of the first times I listened to it was like right when I lost my, my dog karma, mm-hmm. she passed away in 2021. And like, some people will laugh. I don't care. But like, <laughs> if you listen to the lyrics of that song, it's about people like crossing over on the other side. And yeah. like, I felt that. I'm like, this is yeah. my song to yeah. my dog. That Absolutely. Just away. Like, he's another one. I just had to, I had to drop John Bell's name. I would be a sin if I didn't say how much <laughs> I like respect him and love him. I love him. Um, but yeah, I just, I love people. I just love people that are, can tell stories in a way where it doesn't make it just about them. They can share a message with Mm -hmm. everybody and have every single person that's going through something different relate to this. Yeah. And put an experience or a feeling, whether it's about usually a relationship, but anything in life and to put those feelings into words that make sense. (laughs) And I always think to myself, like, how the fuck did you do that? Like, how did you convey Mm -hmm. that emotion in such, what's the word I want to use? I don't know. I'm trying to think of what it's like structured. Is. It's like structured yeah. emotion. Like, yeah. How do you do that? Because emotions are usually known for being messy scattered, all over scattered. The place. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you hear a beautiful song, it's like, how did you get this mess and bring it into three minutes of just pure um, structure? And make it clever. Like, yeah. 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 It's, it's crazy. a very interesting thing. Like songwriting is such a, a crazy wild skill. Yeah, that, it's an art. Like, it's it's a it's an art and it's a gift. It yeah. really is. Yeah, I, I could never do that. I couldn't. I can't string those words together. In that way. <laughs> um, Just write poems. Yeah. No. Oh my god. Imagine me trying to read a poem out loud that I wrote. Pfft, nope. Um. All right. Let's get into <laughs> it. Pick up line. <laughs> let's get into it. The new single is top shelf. It comes out this Friday. It is the song of my life since you sent it to me. You were teasing it on TikTok. <laughs> and other social media where you were posting the clips. And I was like, what the fuck is this? I need to hear this right now. And you were gracious enough to send it to me. I hope you don't have the account of the unreleased song. I hope someone else has it. So you don't see the fucking play count since you sent it to me because I've definitely listened to it. No joke over a hundred times. I listened to it 20 ish times in a row after the first time over and over to make sure I heard what I thought I heard and it wasn't like a dream. I was like, there's no way this is the song <laughs> that she's talking about. 
Everything about it I love. The melody is great. The backups, the harmonies, I love a stacked vocal. It's like what I live for. When I hear some really good harmonies, it's like better than sex. I love <laughs> the vibe. It's got like a little funk to it with the bass guitar. It's like a little bit of a lo-fi style, but not really because it's a little more poppy. The lyrics are like very airy, but still have some power. I could go on all fucking night. I can't get enough of it. I'm so excited for it to be on Spotify so I can actually fucking send it to people because I just talk about it all the time, but then I can't send it to anybody because it's not out. So say anything you want about this song. I don't care whatever you want. Thank you. Seriously, you gave me so much confidence. Like, it's so funny. And like, I don't know, like, Again, there's just something about you where I feel just so comfortable. And that's why I was just like, let me know what you think. And I don't, really don't do that a lot. And I would tell um, you the truth. The only people... I would be like, this sucks if it sucked. Like, mm, cute. Like, okay, no, I wouldn't. let's move on. I but... would be like, you got to rework that. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not like that. Especially you. Because like, I know you, you can't get away from me now at this point. I would be like, don't put this out. I would. That make, Honestly, that makes me so happy though. Because that's like, that's the type of feedback that I need. Or like, I, I, I don't like this because of this. Maybe I wouldn't say don't put this out. I would be like, I don't yeah, like this, yeah. this, and this for this reason. I would respect you either way for doing that because I was just like, I, it's like going into like an audition room and like the casting director was like, good job. And I'm like, really though? Wasn't right, it a good job? Right. Like, what could I have done better? And why am I not getting the job? Because I'm probably, not getting, mm-hmm. you know, like tell me the things I need to hear so I can grow. And like, when I sent it to you, I knew you were going to be honest and I was nervous, but your reaction was like, it made me feel so good. So thank you. Because obviously like, even though I say like, I don't care, no expectation. Obviously we're an artist. We're sensitive. Like we, we care and we're scared because we don't know what people are going to think about it. And like, it might hurt our feelings if people don't like it, not saying that's going to control anything, but like, yeah. So knowing the knowing that you feel that way about the song makes me feel like really, really happy. and, And I'm very grateful. And, I got even more excited after that. And it's so funny because I like, I think I sent you the cover art, like the yeah. cover art mm-hmm. options. And David's fiance page texted me. She goes, mm, so you send Michael the cover <laughs> art and not me. I'm usually sending Paige everything. Yeah. She's like my stylist. She's like everything. Yeah. And she she said that. I'm like, oh my God, sorry. I didn't even <laughs> think about that. Like we were just, we were in a, we, were we were in, in it. This, yeah. Like, zone, Wait, so, so funny it. because David and I will talk like once a week. We'll be like, one of us will be like, oh shit, we haven't like caught up on what's going on. Once every week, sometimes once every two if it's busy. So I hadn't talked to him in like two weeks. So I was like, let me call this motherfucker and like see what's going on. <laughs> Obviously things were crazy, holidays, his girlfriend was home, his fiance, I'm sorry, I forgot. His fiance was home, so they were doing their thing. So I said, let me call this motherfucker. So I call him up, we're talking, doing our thing. And I go, oh my God, Raquel's song, Top Shelf. I can't stop listening to it. I'm playing it in the car right now. What do you think of it? And he's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, what do you mean? (laughs) What am I talking about? Like, you haven't heard the song. It's literally a hit. It should be on every fucking radio station the day it comes out. I'm like, this is a hit. It's the best song I've ever heard her do. What do you mean you don't know what I'm talking about? He didn't know what I was talking about. Then Paige is in the background. She didn't know what I was talking about. I'm like, so (laughs) I'm assuming you didn't see the options for the cover art that she's picking with the fucking disco ball. She looks like a superstar. You haven't seen this. He had no idea what I was talking about. So that's how that came up. And I honestly was so annoyed. I just had to go because I didn't understand why everyone else was not as excited about this as I was. (laughs) 
not okay that with that. That is so, so funny. And I'm like, oh God, that's heartwarming. Yeah. <laughs> like I'll send them stuff here and there, you know, but like, I'm just very usually private with a lot of my things. I'm like, yeah. oh, they don't care. Why am I going to send it to them? But like, I don't know. There's just something about you. That I'm like, let me see what he thinks. And well, I'm also like super I'm- interested in it. Like I'm super interested in music. I think everything mm-hmm. that you're doing is great. And I just, I like, I always tell people this and they don't get it unless they are involved in music somehow. I listen to every part of a song. And that's why when I like something, I listen to it 20 times in a row because then I was listening to the bass guitar and I was like, wow, what a cool element to add into this song where you really wouldn't think to put that in there because it's not the style, but it works so well. And then I'm listening to the harmonies and I'm listening to like the different notes and how many different notes are in there because I'm just a music nerd. So when I appreciate something musically, it's more than just, oh, I heard that song and I like it. I'm listening to all the different parts. So when I find something like that song or like we were talking about before, an album by somebody that I really love, I'm listening to it so much because I'm appreciating the different parts of it. And that's how I felt about this song. So the next question I wanted to ask you was when it comes to things like the harmonies and the background vocals, for your style of songwriting, the songwriter that you are, are you thinking about those things and hearing stuff as you're writing the song? Or is that more of experimentation in the studio as you're recording? Hmm, that's a great question. Um, Thanks. Some, it, it depends. It's a very great, you've been asking a lot of great questions. I have to say. I'm really love, good at this. I love this. Yeah, you're really like, do you, do you, are you a podcaster? Barbara <laughs> Walters has died. It is my turn. And I don't feel bad about making that joke because that bitch was 197. <laughs> um, going back though to answer the question, the amazing question you just dropped on me. Um, <laughs> it, it just uh, it depends. I go from song to song. Sometimes when I'm writing, I'm like, "Ooh, yeah, this hook could be like super stacked and super lush with the vocals and like ever the pans left and right, and yeah. all these things." Um, and then sometimes, like if it's like a really, if it's like a deeper song and it's more like lyric forward where I'm really telling a story that is very personal to me. I usually focus on that first and then I'll be in the studio recording Mm -hmm. and then harmonies just come. Like my process of recording is, uh, I usually do section by section. So I'll focus on the verse or I'll either start with the hook, depending if it's a big hook or a little hook, or Mm -hmm. I'll start with the verse to just kind of warm up my vocal. And I like to kind of like also like start in the beginning of the story and like have everything progress as I go. Kind of build. So yeah, I like when it builds. Like I like to do like a very clean, crisp verse. And then for pre's, I like to add like lots of harmonies or stacks. And then for the hook is when you really like either beef it up or you can make it very, very simple depending on what kind of song it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, a lot of the harmonies just literally come to me in the moment. I would say most of the time they're just coming to me when I'm on the mic and I'm listening to it because it's like, it's almost like a puzzle. It's like, oh, I wouldn't have heard this harmony if this harmony wasn't there. And you kind of just build off of that. Um, so 90% of the time, that's usually how I do it. So when you started promoting the release of the song and posting some of the snippets, you were talking a lot about how you weren't really sure that you were going to continue pursuing a career as an artist and that you felt really close to giving up. Talk to me about why and what changed your mind. I know you said that Songland uh, kind of re-inspired you, but w- after that, what kind of like left you in this seesaw of like teetering on what you wanted to do? Right before Songland, I was ready to put, I was ready to throw everything in the towel. Like 
what is what is the, the throw saying in that the he was towel. like throw it in, throw the throw in the towel uh-huh yeah yeah <laughs> i was ready to do that yeah um so i was ready to just quit basically mm-hmm. i i was i did my first big girl job interview at like some hotel to be like a hotel concierge Ew. and like they were asking me questions i've never answered like i've never been asked before and never even thought of like very just professionally like grand questions yeah. and uh i remember doing that then i remember getting songland doing songland and then after songland i actually was like okay i want to stay in the industry but i don't want to be an artist i only want to be a songwriter okay i like songwriting i like that the attention isn't on me i like that i don't have to be social you know social media queen and mm-hmm. be on top of all of these like you know outlets and platforms and i like this COVID hit when Songland dropped pretty much. Like right. it was at the same time. So I watched like my episode in quarantine, um, which was, oh, it sucked because it was just like, wow, it felt like a door was opening and then the door was closing back in my face. Right. So it's like, you know, that was sucky. So from 2020 to about 20, for all of 2021, I was very, very focused on songwriting. Mm-hmm. And then honestly, when my dog died mm-hmm. in September of 2021, that sent me like that. I never experienced a loss like that before. She was, she was like my little, my right hand, like wing girl. Like she did, she came everywhere with me. It was just, she was such a huge part of my life too. I got her when I was 18 years old, living in LA by myself. Mm-hmm. And like, she's seen me through so much shit. Right. It was so something like that. Honestly, that I was just such a, it was in such a dark place where, I just didn't know what I wanted or who I was or what I was doing with my life. And that's kind of when I like, I started focusing on acting more after that. I started getting back into acting classes and I stopped writing for other people. I stopped doing sessions because I was mentally and emotionally draining myself in these sessions. So I went from thinking I was going to be a songwriter to being like, "Mm, being a songwriter only is not for me because it's not filling up my cup. I songwrite because for me, it's therapeutic Mm -hmm. and I like to tell my stories. And that's when I feel like I write my best shit is when I am telling my story. And in order for me to do that, I would like to really tell my story and, and put myself out there again and not limit myself to be like, you know, I'm only this or I'm only that. No, I'm an actress. I'm a songwriter. I'll write with other people if it's the vibe. If I feel like the energy matches and we're a good fit, mm-hmm. I'd love to be a part of that session. I'm also very realistic with myself and don't want to put myself in a position where I feel like I'm not helping me or the other person. Right. But I also am an artist. Like I, that's just who I am. Like I love to express myself that way, and that's kind of how I got back to being like, you know what? Not that serious. You know what? I'm going to do what I love to do because I love to do it. I'm going to remember why I started doing this in the first place. And that's because the feeling that I have when I'm in a vocal booth or when I write a song that I love or when I get a a bounce back of a song that I just recorded and wrote and did all these things and listened to the harmonies. And that feeling is like, there's nothing that matches that for me. There's nothing that gives me that high. So I'm going to follow that. You know, I want to, I want to do all of these things because it's what makes me feel like I have a purpose. Mm-hmm. And that's what I need. I thrive on having a purpose. If I feel like I don't, I really could be in a very dark place and that sucks. Right. So that's kind of what got me back to just taking the pressure off, 
stop caring so much about things that are out of my control mm-hmm. and just do what I can with what I'm given, you know, right. and that's, I can write my songs. I can sing my songs. What I'm struggling with is the social media part. And I'm trying not to put too much pressure there. Right. But. So let's pivot into that because I want to talk about that as well. What do you feel? What are your thoughts on the changes in the music industry with streaming? Of course, but I feel like we've gotten more used to that, but specifically with platforms like TikTok. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I listen, I think that the opportunity that TikTok has given people is tremendous. Great. I think that I like agree. it's changed people's lives. Mm-hmm. And for that, I think it's a beautiful thing. I also think that um, the intention of the industry and of music and of art and of like creativity right. and talent, like the intention isn't to, to share something with people. It's, it's like there's so much under underneath that where people are sharing things just to get views and likes. Like it's, it doesn't even need to be like, you need to have substance right. sometimes. It's just like, what sounds cool? And what can we do a cool dance to? And so what's going to go viral? That people are going to keep watching it. Exactly. And it's like people in that, that's hard for me, you know? And I don't ever want to like put people down. Like I think that if you're going to do something and you love it and you believe in it, great. That doesn't mean I have to love it and, and believe in it and feel the same way. You know, we're all entitled to, entitled to our own opinions. Um, for me, it just sucks to see that like people aren't allowed to release music unless it goes viral on an oh, app, yeah, like, on a phone. I don't know if you're aware of the singer Ray, the British singer that has that really huge mm-hmm. song out, but I've followed her for a really long time and she's having her moment and it's incredible. But literally one year ago, she was posting all of this stuff on her account in literally hysterically crying about how she's been making this music for 10 years and her label won't let her release anything because she's not getting enough views on TikTok. Meanwhile, she had a huge song with um a D I think Jack Jones. Yeah, Ooh, but I also I also think she had one with David Guetta, but I might be confusing that, but I'm almost sure. Um and she had some huge song last year that was like taking over e- the EDM charts and they wouldn't let her release the music. And how amazing that a year later she has her song go viral and she's having her huge moment. But it's crazy to me, and I've talked about this on the show before, how it's swapped. Back in the day, we're talking about the Christinas and the Britneys and the people of that era. They find their way to a label, however that is. The label signs them they're unknown artists, they record music, and now they push these girls or guys out into TRL, radio, television, and that's how you build a fan base. By the time you're an artist who's out putting out an album, nobody knows who you are yet. Fast forward Mm -hmm. to now, it's the opposite. They want you to bring a pre-packaged image and audience and following before they'll even pay any attention to you because they don't want to do the work or spend the money themselves anymore. They want you to have that already happening. And then I see these people on Spotify or from TikTok or from wherever, and I open up Spotify. I've never heard of this person before in my life. They have two songs out and they have two million monthly listeners. I'm like, who the fuck is Mm -hmm. this? Like that is the landscape now of the music industry. And it's so confusing to me as someone who's always remembered it a different way. It's very strange. Yeah. 
it, it's very, it's very defeating because it's like, I love being creative and I love doing all of these things. I don't love talking into a camera. Right. Like I don't love documenting every single thing that I'm doing. It actually makes me feel sick. Right. Like it actually gives me so much anxiety. And I think that's another reason why our generation today, you know, so many people are suffering with anxiety because they're constantly feeling like they need to be always accessible Oh, I agree. You always mm-hmm. need to be accessible to people where if they reach out to you, you have to answer in this amount of time or else you're this mm-hmm. or you're that. Or if you're not documenting your dinner, you didn't go to dinner. And right. if you didn't document this good outfit, you don't have style. Like it's so draining and I can't do that. Like I genuinely can't. That's why like I've had ideas for my music on the way I want to go about promoting it. And like, yes, I'm going to try my best to like, be active on social media and like whatever happens happens. Mm-hmm. But like, that's not really where I, with the basket that I'm putting my eggs in. Like right. I'd love to make money in like the sync world and get my songs and commercials and TV shows and all of that. And like make money, you know, like I don't, I don't necessarily want to just be making TikTok videos to get millions of views right. and then, okay, a great, a record label comes. And like a lot of these record labels are signing artists that are, uh, on TikTok and like releasing singles with them, but like, where's the longevity in that? Right. Like, where's the actual like? Depth? And also, where's- sorry, but some of these artists are just not that good, or they're just not. They don't have that star quality that we were talking about. Just because you yeah. are talented doesn't mean you're a star. There's a million people who can stand on a microphone and sing beautifully. It's a wonderful talent, but that doesn't mean that you are a star. That doesn't mean that you are going to sell records. It's mm-hmm. just strange to me the way that it's happening. And like you said, I think it's been incredible for changing people's lives. And I would never knock that. I think it's a great way to hustle and make some money if you can. But I also think, like you said before, a lot of it is lacking substance. And to someone like myself, who is, I just appreciate music so much and the art of it. And for someone like you, who is creating the music and the art, I feel like it's draining. Yeah, it just it just takes away from the process. And I think that part of part of being a creative person is like really having the energy around you like align with who you are. And for me, that energy doesn't align with me. Like, it doesn't feel natural. And so I really try to like, pick and choose when I'm going to do things that just doesn't align with me. But I also am trying to be the businesswoman of like, well, you got to do things that you don't want to do to to get the things that you want to get. And I'm like, okay, I get that. So I'm kind of riding the line right now. And I'm, again, I'm very open to like what could happen with music stuff. As long as I love it. And as long as you love it, (laughs) um, that's all that matters. And, you know, I, again, I don't put my eggs in in one basket because I think it's maybe a survival mechanism Mm -hmm. or whatever it is, but I just love to do so many things. And I'm like, you know what? I have acting. I have music. I love to get on the business side of the industry. I'm also managing, you know, one little girl for, you know, developing an actress and getting her started in in her path. Right. And, you know, I could hopefully do that for other people. And, and hopefully one day I can open up my own label and run things the way I want to run. You know, like my brain just goes all over the place and I just don't want to do one thing. And that's why I'm like, I'm not going to be obsessed with just freaking TikTok. I can't. And the only way you can really, really be successful at something like that is to be obsessed with it. Right. And I'm like, that's just, I, 
I, I'm fine being obsessed with things, but I'm not fine being obsessed with that. I can't. It's so frustrating that those cringy videos have become the thing that like you don't want to do, but you kind of have to do. I long for the old days when doing something that you didn't want to do to advance your career was sleeping with an ugly guy once or twice. Like, can we bring that back, please? (laughs) Yeah. Like, oh, you know what? I never had to do that. Thank the Lord. But it's just like, oh, I don't know what's what it's like choosing between two evils yeah listen i'm 30 point. years old i've done enough things that i would like to leave in the past <laughs> and i'm not proud of but one more won't fucking kill me so if that's what i gotta do i'd rather do that than stand on video all day doing this to fucking megan the stallion like no more i tried no. I, I tried i'm like no nope. this is not it i don't like this angle no, no thank, thank you, you. <laughs> what has been the hardest part of not giving up on your dreams The hardest part of dang, dang, you are really coming with some good ones. The hardest part of not giving up on my dreams Mm -hmm. is what you're asking. Yep. Because it's easy to quit when you feel like all the all the things you've talked about before, when you felt like you wanted to give up. I feel like in three different eras of your life, we talked about how you felt like you wanted to give up for various reasons. So what is the hardest part of not doing that? I think you're sacrificing, you sacrifice a lot of things to, to be in this industry. You sacrifice consistency, you sacrifice stability, you sacrifice time away from the people that you love. And um, you feel that every day, you know, being in this industry and struggling at that level, you wake up every day feeling uncertain and unsure about what's going to happen in right. your life. And for somebody like me, there's just this weird juxtaposition of like, I'm so passionate about this. And when I see my future, like I can't see myself doing anything else. Like I physically can't. When I was a little girl, when I thought about myself of where I would be at 25, at 30, you know, I saw myself doing this. I also saw saw myself being a mother and raising kids. I always wanted both. Right. And that's been the hardest part for me is because it's very hard to have both in this industry, you know, until you're at a certain level. And I think the hardest part for me is just like it takes a toll on you mentally, emotionally, financially. It's very, very scary. And I am also someone that thrives on structure mm-hmm. and I'm in the most unstructured industry. So I think for me, like that, that's the hardest part about not giving up. It's like I'm sacrificing all those things and I know that every day of my life. And I think that um, the thing that keeps me going though is that I just believe in it. Right. I just, I don't know. It's just this weird thing. Like you almost, I was telling this to David. I'm like, to somebody that's not in our industry, you look delusional and you mm-hmm. almost have to be delusional. You have to believe it in, in it so much that no matter what anybody else thinks or what anybody else tells you, it doesn't phase you. Because if you let those things in, oh my God, it's going to eat you alive. Like, Having conversations with family members that are not in this industry that don't they get think it. They're insane. Mm-hmm. Oh my I can God. They to think that. we're crazy. Mm-hmm. They, they're scared for us. And mm-hmm. I don't blame them. You know, like it's like, I want you to be okay. Go back to school. Go do this. You need a plan B. You need this. Fuck and that. But you can't. Like, and when you have you a plan B, can't. you don't work as hard for plan A. When you are like in flight or fight, what is it? Fight or flight? What the fuck flight is or it? Fight. Okay, sure. Fight or um, fight, yeah. Because especially, especially now, as we're getting older and we're not 22 anymore, and your your career is very different than mine because I'm at like the fucking beginning stages of this. But 
I feel that in the sense I'm that the same way, not to cut you off, but I feel like I'm starting from the beginning stages too. So you're not alone. <laughs> yeah. But you have something different behind you. And that's like an incredible <laughs> resume with some of the fucking biggest stars in the world that we just talked about. However, <laughs> I feel like it's similar in the sense that when you get to a certain age, you're like, Oh shit. What if this doesn't happen? But then you have to like push that out of your mind. And I feel like I, at 30 years old, don't have a plan B. So it makes me work harder for plan A, which is what I really want. Because if this doesn't work, I don't have anything else. I don't have a college degree behind me. I don't have a career to fall back on that I could just go back to being a fucking accountant. Like, I don't have that shit. It's either this happens or I'm fucked and I don't know what I'm doing. But that makes you work harder in the moments like you're talking about where, oh, I want to give up. Well, you can't because what else do you have? This is what you love. This is what you want. But also like, then what? If you give up now at 28 years old, what are you going to do? Something stupid yeah. that you can't fucking stand? Fuck that. Forget that. Absolutely. Life is too short to spend your time doing something that you're not completely happy doing. It's too short to spend your time with people that don't make you the best version of yourself. Like life is just too short to like settle in those areas. At least that's my outlook. And I know you can agree with that. And like, I'm a dreamer. I've always been a dreamer. And I also feel, you know, I was very lucky. I was able to get success when I was younger. So I know I, I touched it. Mm -hmm. I was there. I know it's real. I know it's attainable. Yeah. And I just have to keep telling myself that like, there's a path and there's a plan and everybody's timing is different and everybody's path is different. Everyone's experience is different. And, but that doesn't mean that you're not going to get there. It's right. just, it, it, sometimes it takes longer for others and you got to just do things it's in a way timing. that feel right to mm -hmm. you. Yeah. yeah. And that's it. And like, honestly, Ryan Tedder actually said that in one of our rehearsals where it was like, there's no plan B. Like there's just no such thing. Yeah, as it. it doesn't right. exist. And that's kind of the mentality you need to have in industries like ours um, to make it work. And, and that's what it is for me. My boyfriend is also in the industry on the music side. He produces music and we have this conversation all the time because we both know like we're, we struggle in ways that other people don't struggle and like, but you also like the payout and the payoff mm -hmm. is just, it could be so amazing. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of highs and a lot of really, really, you know, low lows. Mm -hmm. So it's the ebbs and flows of the industry. You have to love it to be, to be successful in it. You have to be so passionate about it first. Yeah. That you like, you, you can't, can't live it. without it. Yeah. Yeah. Like it has to be a part of your DNA. Mm -hmm. You know, it can't just be because like, Oh, I want, a hundred million followers on Instagram and I right. want the verified blue chat. You right. know, like I see people say that all the time. I'm like, but but why else do you want it? Right. Like, do you wake up every day and think about this? Like, do you dream about this? Do you live, eat, breathe, mm -hmm. sleep for this? Like you have to you it has to be a part of you in that way. Um and then I think when when it's like that, anything can happen. Like really anything can happen. There's a really great quote from Lady Gaga, actually. It's an interview at the beginning of her concert special. And she's just talking about driving through New York in an old, an old neighborhood where she used to live and hang out. And she's talking about becoming a star. And this is uh, the point in her career. It was her second album. So Bad Romance, all that stuff. And she was on a huge arena tour playing Madison Square Garden and she told the people that she was talking to in the car um, I told people for so long that I was a star when I wasn't and then one day I woke up and the delusion was real and that always mm. stuck with me 
And I kind of like live by that. You know, I tell people all the time, this is what I'm doing and this is what I'm going to do and this is where I'm going. And if I keep doing that and I keep believing that and I keep working towards that every day, like we're doing right here, right now, one day I'm going to wake up and that delusion is going to be real. And it almost already is because of these things that I'm doing every week, every day, whatever. It's already real. It's just not at the level yeah. that I want to push it to. But the more mm -hmm. you tell yourself that and the more you fucking like get your mind in it, the more likely you are to make it happen because you're working towards it. I hate when people think yeah. that like that whole manifestation shit is just like sit around and talk about things you want. You have to put the work in, you know? Absolutely. You have to, you have to do it. You have to, you have to genuinely believe it. Like you said, like I believe in speaking things into like into existence. I believe like it's so scary how the universe works mm -hmm. and like messages and signs that you get that you have to listen to because it's very powerful. Like your subconscious mind is it's so crazy 100%. how powerful that is. Mm -hmm. And it's so hard to control that. That's why it's so powerful because you, your conscious mind, you can literally like wake up and be like, I'm a millionaire. I'm a millionaire. Yeah. But like, you know, but, but your subconscious mind, those daydreams that you have, like, I believe in daydreams. Mm -hmm. I believe in like staring off into space and like you're, you're creating something in there because I've done that so many times and the weirdest things have happened. The weirdest things have come up. People reach out to me. Opportunities come my way. It's just so crazy how all of that goes together. Right. Uh, what is the accomplishment that you're most proud of? Hmm. Like, like professionally, like mm -hmm. things that I've done. Yeah. doesn't have to be like a job or a role, just like something in your career that you're most proud of. I think, well, I think when it, when it comes to professional like jobs, right? Like mm -hmm. obviously I think Jersey girl was the thing that changed my life. And I look back on it and I forget about it. You right. know, I I'm at that point where, you know, I'm so old and like, sometimes I, you know, I don't walk around being like, I'm Gertie <laughs> from Jersey girl. Yeah. But then you'll have sometimes people like, are you, were you in that movie Jersey girl? And I'm like, Oh my God, uh -huh. I was, yes, I you forgot. know, and, and then some, and so sometimes I like go back and reminisce and I like, I watch interviews and I just look at my younger self, like, wow, look at you doing that. And it's like, almost like my 28 year old self looks at my nine year old self and I almost envy her. Mm -hmm. I almost wish I could be like her now yeah, because she was so pure. She, she literally was just so present and in the moment and doing what she felt and, and thought and knew she was born to do. So I, I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud of what I did when I was a little kid. And, and I'm also proud of, you know, going into more of like, you know, uh, an emotional accomplishment. Um, I could have easily, like, if I would have stayed there and done Disney, you know, I was in positions to do that and stayed up and kept going up. I'm very sure I would not be the person that I am today. I'm very sure that I, it would have been very easy for me to be sucked into that Disney crazy Hollywood lifestyle crack. of like <laughs> not knowing <laughs> crack. Okay. No, like not, also just not even know, like knowing the meaning of the dollar, right. knowing how to respect people, knowing like how to pay your dues and what it means to struggle and I think I'm proud of myself for having the outlook I do on that whole experience because I'm very grateful for the person that I've become and I am becoming I love that. and learning to accept that instead of looking back on it like, man, I missed out on an opportunity. Man, I wish I would have been a superstar. You know, I think I'm, I'm very proud of how I went up and I went back down, but I'm still here and I'm still 
fighting and surviving and kicking and and I'm going to get where I know I'm meant to be. And I when think you come I think back for up, me it's like such a different appreciation. Yes, you you I met this actor the other day who was on the show Power. He came into my part-time job. I also work a part-time mm-hmm. job to to literally pay my bills and survive. Mm-hmm. Um and I knew his face and we were talking and David did power. So yeah. we started talking about all those things and like bringing up the conversation. And he was a sweetheart and he gave me like such good advice. And I didn't know he started at 10 years old. And I'm like, that's why right. I'm like you are so nice because you started so young and you got all of the rejection and mm-hmm. you had this and the, the ups and the downs and you came out on top mm-hmm. and you know how hard it was. Yeah to get there um you know there's a lot of actors i think that go through that like drew barrymore was you know i think she oh, I love her she looked like the coolest person ever i want to meet her I so know, badly same. i went to the mariah like, carey christmas show in december and they filmed it for tv and they had a whole special and she came out i was in like the front front row center and she came out to do like some sort of quick monologue to introduce her at the end for tv anyway she was like 10 feet away from me like on the stage and i was like the things I would do to just have a 10 minute conversation with her. Oh my God. Like I want to be on the Drew Barrymore show. Yeah, That's what I want to do. Like, she's just like, uh, and it's just people like that, that I'm like, I get it, you know? And I'm so, it's so cool to see people you fall and get back up and get better and get stronger. Mm-hmm. And like, that's kind of where I see myself. Like I, I always made the joke. I'm like, did I peak <laughs> at nine years no, old? Like, is not. this it? But I'm like, I kind of laugh at that now. I'm like, no. And that's why going back to what I said when you were first talking um, a few minutes ago, I feel like I'm starting over. Yeah. And there's something really exciting about that for me. I feel like I get to reinvent myself as an adult in the industry. And I get to like tell a new story for myself and like, and like learn, you know, like I, there's so many things that I wish I would have known growing up in the industry Maybe I would be in a different place now. Who knows? But it's never too late to start. And that's kind of where I'm at. I'm restarting my and with a fresh outlook on the whole industry. Um, and here I go again, trailing off. But like, I am very proud that I, I can have that outlook and on my life and on my career. It's also one moment is all it takes. Like you, your brother and I talk about this all the time. Like it just takes that one right situation, that one right room that you're in, that one right audition for the correct role that like sends you over the edge. And him and I always talk about like, if you quit now, specifically more about his career, we talk about it. Like if you quit Mm -hmm. now, you don't know how close you are to what you've been working towards. And we always talk about, he said one time, like I'm that he's closer to where he wants to be than if he was to turn around and walk back to where he started. So like, why would you stop now? You know, it really in this industry just takes one good day of something happening and it changes your entire life. So like, why would you give that up? You know, it's literally like one turn can change your path, you know? Mm -hmm. And I really believe in that. So crazy. Like, and you ever see the meme where the guy's like, he's chopping at that, like that, that I don't know if it's like a mountain or like a stone wall. And then he goes to give up. And then you see that the stone wall was like this thin, ready to break. And he gave up and didn't realize how close he was. Yeah. And like, it's going back to that. Like, it's exactly true. It's like, I've, can't, I've come too far to give up now. I have, I have so much more to lose if I give up than I, that I do if I don't right. you, you exactly. know, keep going. 100%. So it's, it's, that's it. There's just no, there's just no other way. No option. Um, okay. Last question. Are you ready? 
What is your greatest hope for your future? And what is your greatest fear? Hmm. My greatest hope for my future is that I find peace within myself and confidence within myself. Um, and I, I can just wake up feeling, it sounds kind of sad, but like, I just want to wake up feeling like it's all going to be okay. And I'm, you know, and I'm like not saying that I don't feel that way now. Like, right. Like we always talk about like telling ourselves things and manifesting things, but I genuinely want to just like, I want to just be successful. I just really want to be able to be like, I'm an actress Mm -hmm. and really feel confident when I say that. And I just want to be able to work on things that make a difference and have really like have meaning. I always felt like when I I've done things in my past, a lot of it felt super surface to me and great. It's paychecks and it's this, but like, I want to, I want to make a difference. Mm -hmm. I want to tell stories, whether it's in music or in film or TV. Like I want to be the character that like somebody relates to that helps them change the way they look at themselves and, you know, change how they feel. Um, So that's my hope. I just, I want to be successful doing something. I don't want to be, I don't strive for fame. I don't strive for like billions of dollars. I just want to be successful doing what I love to do. That's always been my goal. Um, So that is like my hopes for the near future. Um, If we want to be more specific, uh, I'd love to have a leading role in a film Mm -hmm. because I feel like as a, as a Latina artist, you know, I'm, you know, born, I'm half Puerto Rican, half Italian. Uh, For me, it's very hard to come across roles that are leading roles for an unknown Latina artist. It's either you're like, you're a box office art, you know, actress that already has this, or you're like the, the co-star in the movie that has three lines that is just there to like, bring some diversity into right. the film. You right. know, like I I really would love if we're talking specific, that's you know, I would I love, love to have yeah. a leading role in a film and I would love to have a series regular on TV. I want I want them both. Yeah. And uh my fear, <laughs> I fear so many things. <laughs> I fear a lot. Um you know I think if I'm being completely honest as humans, like we just we fear the what ifs. I fear I fear the what if what if it doesn't work out. What if it does work out? What if it does work out? And I'm like, you know, how will I handle myself? Right. Like, you know, will I, will I be mentally okay? Will I, will I lose it? You know, like all of those things come into play. Um, I just fear, I don't know. This is a really hard question. <laughs> <laughs> I just fear a lot. There's a lot to fear. Cause again, you, you sacrifice so much and I just, you know, you, you just fear like, the idea of it being worth it. Yeah, mine's disappointing myself. I don't give a fuck about anyone else. I no. fear not like when I lay down at night and I like that whole attitude I've forced myself to have. And some days I really, really believe it. Some days you can't tell me shit. And some days I have to like fake it a little bit and force myself. But like in the real raw moment, not even laying in bed in the shower, that's where it's the worst, where you're like, at your most vulnerable, my fear is what if I don't make everything I believe I can happen and then the person who's left most disappointed is me. 
what if yeah. I let myself down? That's all I care about. Yeah. Anyone else can go fuck themselves at this point in life. Like at 30 years old, I don't care about <laughs> yeah, anyone's like, expectations. I don't care how you fucking feel. It's all about me and what I need to do for myself. And my greatest fear is letting myself down because I don't deserve that. That's so true. It really is because you sacrifice so much and you put so much of your time and energy into something. Mm -hmm. And the idea of uh, the idea of like not having it work is probably one of the most scariest feelings in the world. And it's, you know, but we're human. We all feel that way. We all have the days where we're like, oh my God, I'm untouchable. And we have the days where we're like, I, I don't know. I fucking, I, I suck. Yeah. I, Who do I think I, I am? I don't know. Who, who do I? Yeah. Who, who am I? Who do I think I am? And who am I? Like, right. What do I have to say? What what difference? You know, all of those things. Uh, imposter syndrome. I'm learning. Mm -hmm. I've been watching. So I, I watch a lot of like the Red Table Talks and like um, Vanity Fair interviews of like, like my favorite actors and actresses. And they all talk about imposter syndrome, which has made me feel so yeah, much better. Because it's myself. wild that they have that. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, you're Kate Winslet. Yep. You go onto a set and you have imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. Like it's natural. It's uh, a human Jessica thing. Chastain, yeah. Like all of these amazing Viola Davis has become one of my favorite Love actresses her. to this day. Mm -hmm. Like, oh my God, she's incredible. She, she talks about so much mental health and so much struggle and so much pain and mm -hmm. sacrifice. And like, She's so relatable. And I love people like that because I'm like, I don't like when people just sugarcoat things yeah, no and make it seem like it's so easy because then it's like you set the standard and like the expectation for other people in like such a false light. It's like, you know, you're giving false hope there. Um, so yeah, I think to, to really like broadly answer that question, I just think there's so many scary things in life, but I think the scariest thing is putting putting everything that you have into something and the idea of it not happening is the scariest thing. Yep. I think we all fear I completely whether it's agree. relationships, whether it's your career, whether it's just, just time where you're spending your time, like the idea of like not doing it the way you're supposed to do it. Yep. But I just have to, you know, I just have to tell myself every day that I'm trusting that the voices that I have in my head are not steering me in, in the wrong path. Like I have those things for a reason. Right. I feel this way for a reason. So you just gotta go with that. <laughs> Thank you so much for sitting down and doing this. I had so much fun having this conversation. It nothing makes me happier than sitting down and talking to somebody who like has the same level of passion for music that I do, even though I don't make it. I feel like as a spectator, you don't get any more in love with it than where I am. And it's always so exciting to like dig into somebody's mind who's creating it and doing something that I enjoy. And it's just great. I love it. And this new single, Top Shelf, is out on Friday. Everybody better fucking stream it because if you don't, I'm going to sue you. I'm coming for you with my lawyer and I have a good one and you're going to be in big fucking trouble. Yeah, when Keith says. Mm -hmm. Don't test me. They know better. These listeners know better than to test me. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me on, Michael. Like, it's just such a... You 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 bring this very like peaceful um, energy. Me and peaceful. Really, really, no one's gonna <laughs> it's believe weird it. Because like you're you're so sassy, but I feel so <laughs> level with you. So it's very. It's just been really nice. Thank you so much for being such a good friend to my brother. And I really think that like my brother and I always, even before you started this podcast, we're like, he's gonna do something big. Oh, like you just so have it in you. Seriously, we mean it. Like you are just 
you are so unapologetically yourself and it's such a beautiful thing because you're such a great human and I think the world like deserves to like see oh, who you are. Thanks. I appreciate and experience that. that. Some so, people hate I mean, it. I don't um, really give a fuck about them. <laughs> we we don't care about those people. <laughs> you know what? They're just jealous because they can't be as them as you are you. So. Yeah, fake bitches. <laughs> you heard it here thank you so much and everybody stream the new song stream the ep when it comes out whenever that is and yeah send us screenshots send us screenshots and tag us in it if you're listening or it didn't happen <laughs> screenshots or it didn't happen <laughs> we're like no we you shouldn't post on your story because it happened if you didn't meanwhile we're like <laughs> <laughs> actually 2023 energy. put that out the window <laughs> We'll be right back. 